this session of Look at the Book, we're going to focus on one verse, verse 19 in this paragraph, Romans 9, 19 to 23. You will say to me then, and I want to understand what that refers back to earlier. Something Paul has said caused him to say, well, then, why does he still find fault? What's the reference here? What had Paul said that was negative that caused God to find fault? For who can resist his will? We want to know what his will is here and the answer to this question, who can resist his will, appears to be no one. And so we want to understand the implications of that. So, Father, I pray that as we tackle these enormous issues of your will over against our will and yours being irresistible and ours being subordinate, you would grant us understanding and help us to assume a humble posture and not to be arrogant or ask questions that would signify attitudes of pride. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You will say to me, then. So what had Paul said? Let's go back to the previous paragraph. We've seen it before, but just to sum up, here's what he has said. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed. So God has raised Pharaoh up quite against his will, because Pharaoh doesn't want have got to have God's power shown through him, and Pharaoh doesn't want to have God's name um, proclaimed in all the earth because of him. And so what, what's clear to Paul in verse 18, so then he has mercy on whom he wills, and that refers back up here to verse 15, and he hardens whom he wills, and that hardening right there refers to this. So God is governing Pharaoh's will so that Pharaoh will not let the people go and in not letting the people go, God can multiply the evidences of his power and make a great name for himself. To which the listener says, well, therefore, or then, why does he still find fault? And that finding fault there implies what? God is, is, is judging Pharaoh and his people. The plagues came on uh, Egypt because of their resistance, and then finally the great army was drowned in the sea because of, of their resistance. And the question is, well, if God was governing the wills there and seeing to it that the hardness happened, why does he still find fault? Why does he still judge? And I think it's helpful to go back to chapter 3 and see that this is not a new question. Paul has been dealing with this before. Look at this in Romans 3, 5 to 7. But if in our unrighteousness, our hardness, our lie, if in our unrighteousness, if, if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to, put, to, to inflict wrath on us? Somebody might say, well, God shouldn't inflict wrath on us if our unrighteousness, in fact, brings about his good purposes. Verse 6, 
By no means. Yes, it is right for God to inflict wrath on us, even though our unrighteousness shows his righteousness. It is right for him to. By no means is it unjust, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? That's the question that chapter 9, verse 19 is asking. If if my sin, Pharaoh's hardness, is bringing about God's glory, making a name for God at the Red Sea, then why is Pharaoh faulted? That's the issue, right? You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? Why does he judge? And so next we see this word for, which shows that another reason is being given for this, just like this one. And this one states something that was assumed in this one. For who can resist his will? What will? Well, the will of God's hardening to the end that he get glory. Look at this sequence of texts in Exodus. For, his pur- for this purpose I have raised you up, Pharaoh, that I may show my power in you and so that my name may be proclaimed. That's the will of God, to show his power and to make a name for himself. Chapter 10, then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that, here's my purpose, here's my will, that I might show the signs among you, and that you may tell in the hearing of your sons and grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and that, uh, and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So generation after generation, Israel had recounted the deeds of the Lord, the signs of the Lord, the power of the Lord, at the Red Sea in order to make clear to generation after generation that he is sovereign over his enemies. Chapter 11, verse 9, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you. I know he won't. That's my purpose. I'm hardening his heart. Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied. That's the will of God. That's his will and why he is at work in Pharaoh in this way. And one more, this is the most explicit of all. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians that, that, that they go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am Yahweh, the Lord, the great I am when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh. So clearly the will of God is that he get glory over the Egyptians, that he be known as Yahweh the Lord, and to that end he hardens Pharaoh's heart. And so who can resist his will is who can resist God's purposes to bring about the glory of his great name in this world and to that end to govern Pharaoh's will so that Pharaoh participates in God's purposes even if he doesn't choose to. One last question. Who can resist his will? What's the, what's the answer to that? Well, the answer is no one, right? Does Paul agree with that rhetorical question? For who can resist his will? No one. 
Yes, he does, because here in what follows, there's no attempt to qualify that at all. If, if the answer to that had been, well, sure you can resist God's will, that would have been Paul's answer to solve the problem of why God finds fault. Because God treats men according to what they are capable of doing in response to him. But that's not, that's not the answer. The answer is going to be different than that, and we'll see it next time. For who can resist his will? No one. So here are two conclusions. One is, we do not have ultimate self-determination. Whenever you get into an argument with somebody over the existence of free will or the nature of free will, make sure you and they make clear your definition. And if this is the definition they use, my free will means I have ultimate self-determination, you can say to them, you don't have that. Who can resist his will? Nobody. Ultimately, God's will holds sway. Our will counts. In fact, what we do have, we can say, is moral accountability. Real choice. And what I mean by real choice is choice that counts with God. He, he punishes our bad choices and he rewards our good choices. It is real choice. We have moral accountability. And if the absence of ultimate self-determination and the presence of moral accountability seems impossible to you, Make sure that you suspend judgment at that point and let the Bible hold sway because it's not a logical contradiction that makes you feel that way. It's simply cultural and sensibility expectations. It is not the Bible that makes that or logic that makes it necessary for these two to be separate. They go together in the Bible, which leads me to one last conclusion. If God decisively and ultimately governs our will, and we sin, why does he still judge, condemn us? That's the question that Paul is going to now try to answer. That's the meaning of this question, why does he still find fault?